Well, today we're going to try and um, continue on from Pastor Dan's message last week, which was titled, What's Under the Hood? And the, the uh, five Ps, I think it was, purpose, passion, power, position and peace are all under the hood and our elements of reaching the world. So each of us that are out of reach, each reach. And so um, today, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask all of us to uh, grab our cards. You'll see one of these on your seat or near you or somewhere, a Scandalous Grace Easter card. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite you to, to get into groups of people around you and don't think, oh, I don't know them. Well, this is a great opportunity to just turn around and start praying. If you're a non-church person, you can still pray. You probably do. You know, I remember before I came put my trust in Jesus, I used to pray. So just, we're going to gather in groups of three, four, five, whatever happens, and I really want you to pray. Don't just stand there and go, you know, put your heart into faith and really trust that God's grace will be to people. Yes. What do you think about that? Distraction, distraction. Aaron, naughty boy, naughty boy. On that note, let's pray. Father God, oh gracious God, our, that word our, Father God, it includes all of us. Our Father, who art in heaven, may our lives bring glory, honour, praise and recognition of your name, your nature, your character, your power and your person. We ask and pray that our eyes will be open, our ears will be cleansed, that we will be able to hear the word that you want to speak into our lives today. For yours is the kingdom, for yours is the glory, now and forever. And they all said... Amen. Well, you know, it was a fair few years ago now, but uh, I put my trust in Jesus. I stepped over the line and put my trust in Jesus. And it all started um, as a young child, really. I, I grew up as a, a Catholic. And um, through that journey, I had a belief in God. I had a real belief in God. And I remember, you know, experiencing times where I sensed God was so near. At the age of about 15, I said to my dad, oh, mate, I don't think I'll do the mass thing, you know. And um, he just nodded, yep, rightio. So we had a bit of a chat about that. Yet then at the age of 20, a friend of mine um, invited me to their church. And I went to this church, it's similar to ours in a lot of ways, and went to this church and I heard the gospel. I heard the message, the message of Jesus Christ about his life and his death and his resurrection. I'd heard all that before, but then I heard this invitation that, hey, listen, put your trust in Jesus that you might have eternal life. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, anyway, about six months later in my bedroom in my little hometown out there in the wheat belt, I reached out to God in prayer, laying on my back and said, God, I pray I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. And I remember opening my eyes and my arms were up, you know, and I'm pulling and hugging him. And I thought, gee, that's not cool. You know, there was nobody there. I was in the pitch black. But I really reached out from the depth of my soul that Jesus Christ would come into my life. I just so longed for God. And I imagine for you, you your story, if you, you've decided to follow Jesus, I imagine you'd have a similar story. Maybe like me, you know, God touched your life as a child somewhere along the way and, and that may have drifted off and you went on and did life and then all of a sudden or 
through some season of life, you thought about God or somebody spoke to you about Jesus or invited you to church. It could be any one of those things and many more. Yet the key element in all of our lives, I imagine, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but it's pretty, I think, on the dot. In all of our lives, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, it was the key element in that journey of us putting our trust in Jesus Christ is somebody else, another person, another person. It's rare, I don't know if I've actually heard one, where somebody, has, you know, an angel's dropped out of the sky, stood in front of you, it's in the Bible, but somebody stood in, an angel stood in front of you and said, oh, thus saith the Lord, go to Eastlake, you know. Now that has happened. We've had people come off the street, but no angel sort of coming down. And they've driven past the church here for three, five years and thought, I need to go to church. That may be you. You might be one of those people. But you know, at the end of the day, it's somebody in our lives who is, as it were, we'll look at a bit today, walked across the road and chatted to us. A person who shared with us, like was shared with me, shared with us the story of God in Christ and the whole story of believing and trusting in Jesus that He lived and He died and He rose again and He left that tomb empty. And that's the whole story of Easter, isn't it? That's the whole story of Easter, the celebration that God loved the world so much that He would give His one and only Son that we might receive forgiveness and experience salvation, a relationship with God. And now for us today as Christians, the Bible clearly states that each and every one of us is to be a messenger of mercy and grace. Each and every one of us is to share the story of Jesus. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to be carriers of this grace and this salvation, but the Bible clearly also teaches us, each and every one of us, to be sharers of Jesus. See, Paul, bloke who wrote pretty much the two-thirds of the New Testament, states this, live your life in a manner what is, that is worthy of the Gospel. Why, why would Paul say that? Well, he wrote to Timothy, young leader and the church there, he said, God for God our Saviour who desires everyone, God our Saviour, desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he spells out for the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this, Paul says, would you like to put your name, name in there? For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. As disciples, authentic disciples of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us is to perform this holy task of making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this to the church in Rome. He said, do not be ashamed of the gospel. We do remember that. In Acts, it says this, those who were scattered went from place to place making known, making known the gospel. Paul again to Timothy says, do the work of an evangelist. 
Now, we can't make a cop out there and handball that off to the supposed evangelist. Every single one of us has this mission to make known the facts of the gospel. Paul to the church of Corinth says this, endure anything. This is really good. I love this passage. Endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, that is good. To the church at Ephesus, he said, we, have, we are to have a readiness to share our sacred task of making known the facts of the gospel. If you read that, you'll realise it's not so much about us. It's as Amy said, Rob said, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Sometimes I just wonder, and I ask the question up front, I just wonder if we think that Christianity, and some, it's really easy to do, and you know, we can fall into this trap. We just think Christianity is about us. But if somebody didn't tell us the story about Jesus, never gave us the opportunity to put our trust in Jesus, we wouldn't know. All those passages of Scripture are talk about others, loving others. For some of us, you know, we get a bit freaked out, this whole idea of sharing the message of Jesus. We get a bit freaked out about sharing our testimony. But, well, it's not that hard, really. You know, one of the key elements of sharing the grace and the mercy of God to others is to remove the obstacles between us and that being shared to others. And you know, one of those greatest obstacles is being a buffhead. Is yourself being a dropkick. You know, sort of like, people go, what the heck? Now you're inviting me to church and you've been this weirdo for the last six months. You know, why would I want to go there? You know, if you're all like you, whew. But if you just loved people, if you were kind, you were honest, you live with integrity, if you actually shone in the way that you lived, it doesn't mean you're squeaky clean. It just means that you're real. You're able to listen more than talk. You don't badger them. Remove that obstacle, all that religious garbage. Just be a good you. Just be a really good you in the presence of others. It really works. It's amazing how credibility builds and builds over the years. We get a bit freaked out, but you know what? There's no other name. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus, the Bible says. There is no other name that brings you, me and every other person eternal life. For trust in Jesus Christ is the only way we can experience this life, this relationship with God. There's no other name. It's so important. No wonder Paul talked about it so much. So how then do we each live in this obedience to, to perform this God-given holy task of making known the gospel? Jesus said it in introduction, in, in, as a way of introduction to the answer. He said it like this, I give you a new commandment. This is not just a new idea. Like, oh, you know, this is an artboard. Oh, there's another idea. No, it's not one of those at all. This is a new commandment that you love one another. That love one another, yes, is about us, but it's about loving one another across the board. Just as I have loved you. There's removing all the obstacles. Don't be a boof. Just love people. You also should love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, my authentic followers, if you have love one for another. Well, what does this look like? I'd like us to look today 
at the story of the Good Samaritan. This story of the Good Samaritan is very confronting if we're really honest and read it at depth. There's so many layers and levels which are just fantastic. But we'll bring it up on the screen and we'll read it at the NRSV. If you've got your Bible, great. If you want to use whatever version you've got, but we'll bring it up on the screen there. Thanks, team. They're a great team. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? Verse 27, it says, He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, while travelling, came near him and when he saw him, he was moved with pity or compassion. And he went to him and bandaged up his wounds, wounds, having poured oil and wine on on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is about probably three months' work, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He, the Mosaic lawyer, said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do Likewise. Now, this parable is all brought about, this story Jesus uses is all about, brought about because of a question posed to Jesus by this lawyer. Now, this is a lawyer, not a lawyer of court that we would think today in our law society. This is a lawyer of the Mosaic law. So, somebody who was like a theologian, I suppose you might say, in our language today. And he asks the question, you know, what must I do to inherit? This is a guy who knows the law. He's asking the question to test Jesus. Jesus, I think, is fantastic because he often asks or answers with a question. To a question, he asked another question. But Jesus took this as an opportunity to find to his disciples that were around him then and to us today, the relationship should be about their neighbours. It should be about our neighbours. At their heart, this lawyer person was making an assumption that people must do something to gain eternal life. Jesus could talk about salvation here and jump down that topic, but he chose a different course. And he focused on what it means in a relationship to love others. He said, what is written in the law to the guy? Now, this guy would know exactly what the Scriptures said and he responded really well. And he asks, in asking the scribe, 
He said, how do you interpret it? Because he didn't just say, oh, he didn't just say, oh, what does it say? He says, how do you actually understand that? How would, how would you unpack that command? The guy answers correctly and Jesus says, well done, mate, you did really well. But then he goes on to say, Jesus says, yes, you've answered correctly. But then he goes on to say with a real clincher, he says, this kind of love requires more than an emotional feeling. See, the kind of love of reaching one's neighbour, the kind of love there is not so much, oh, I feel pity. Oh, you poor thing. I, walk, I won't cross over the road though. You know. No, this kind of love, Jesus is saying, includes proper practice. He was saying to you and I and to the Mosaic Lord, who knew so much, and a lot of us do too. He was saying, you need to practice what you preach. You need to practice what you preach. We preach that we're Christian, or to ourselves anyway. You know, we preach that we follow Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we're so thankful for our eternal life. The Mosaic Law guy, the lawyer guy, he knew, whoops-a-daisy, I'm in trouble. That's the Aaron Edwards version. Whoops, I know I can't love everybody all the time. You might be saying the same thing, are they? Am I going to do that? So he thought, mm, I'll just sort of try and shift it around a little bit. And he tries to sort of, mm, you know, lessen the whole responsibility a little bit of reaching others with this love, this unconditional love. And he said, well, who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? That word neighbour, by the way, in the Greek means someone who is near. Who's your neighbour? Someone who is near. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not rocket science. You don't need to be no theologian. In the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, someone that you have association with. Who's that? Someone you have association with. Maybe a workmate, family member, friend, neighbour. I don't know. See, Jesus is speaking to every single one of us today that we need to be practising what we preach. Maybe we need to hear again, who is our neighbour? And not only who is the neighbour, what is our duty to our neighbours? The story of Jesus, he unpacks about a guy going down about 37 kilometres very steep slope. On the way, he gets beaten up and bashed within an inch of his life. But then he introduces another character, and that is the priest. Now, sometimes I think this priest is really confronting because it talks a lot about us. I, I, I think of myself and my own life in reaching the world, my neighbours and that kind of thing, and yeah, I give it a good bash, not as, no, as much as I should, in comparison to Mother Teresa. What a woman, tiny in statue, massive in love. Massive in faith and courage. Unbelievable. She said when she looks into people who are so broken, dirty, smelly, sores all over them, she picks them in her arms and she said, every time I look at them, I see Jesus. Wow. So I've got a long way to go. I really have. But I think sometimes... For us, we need to know that showing compassion is very di different than feeling it. And this priest may well represent a lot of us as church people. We see the need and we sort of think, which is good, don't get me wrong, I'm really 
Ronnie and I will give generously to, to Transform Cambodia. We really believe in that because it's massive. The thousands of people that is reaching. You know, I go, I'm going there in July and there'll be 4,500 children at a conference, a day's conference for all the kids in the centres. It's massive. Then there's parents, thousands and thousands of parents that are getting connected with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have this, I've been invited to share a couple of thoughts. It's going to be gobsmacking. All these kids, you know why? Because we're copiously generous with our giving, but we can't use just sort of giving money over there to avoid sharing the gospel like somebody did with me. To walk across the road and really practice what we preach in everyday life. See, this is in contrast to the person who showed compassion. The Levite was just the same. The Samaritan, though, the Samaritan was the one who they least thought would show compassion. You know, when my non-church friends talk to me and I talk to them, we have conversations, general stuff about life, whatever it is, but, you know, they have an expectation of me and probably us all of, as church people, they have a real expectation that we'd be good people. They have a really high expectation. And I've had a number of them, I mean, number what? Not a big number, probably three, four of them, say to me, hey, listen, don't ever deny that you're a church. You know? Don't ever, you know? That I was in a uh, shop in Perth with my brother a week or so ago, and the guy said, Oh, my brother was telling me, him about me, and I'm getting a bit embarrassed. Going, Oh, Lordy, help me. Anyway, he, my brother's gorgeous, he really likes me, so it was, that was a nice thing. Anyway, um, um, the guy said, Oh, so what do you do, mate? You know, you know, great ripper of a guy, you know, well, what do you do, Todd? You know, real Aussie fella. I said, Well, I'm a pastor of a local church. Oh. But, you know, my mates have told me don't ever sort of go void on that one. Just state who you are. And then he went, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't go, oh, thus saith the Lordeth. You know, I just said, mate, how's it going? So we had a bit of a chat about tools. It was really good. The Good Samaritan rocks up. So the question I've got to ask is, who are you in this story? Are you the priest? Oh, I'm a theologian. I had a guy tell me in my office years ago, do you know I'm a theologian? My darling Bronnie told me, when anybody has to, feels the need to tell you something, that means it's probably a good idea they're not. You know, it's sort of, I'm a theologian. I thought, who cares? I did. I thought, who gives a rat's ear? I couldn't kill less, you know. Oh, well. He introduces a Samaritan. Now the Samaritan, whoa, he's way, way, he's showing compassion. He's leading us. That's what Jesus is saying. This, the world is really good at loving one another sometimes, you know. They really are. The good Samaritan showed great compassion and he answered the question of what must I do? And he wasn't even asking it. He was displaying the love of God. He dresses the guy's wounds with wine, which means to disinfect. He put oil to soothe the pain. 
He puts the man on his own animal, takes him on a journey, puts him in the inn, goes way beyond common decency. He pays for him. He comes back and I'll pay for more. The Samaritan saw his neighbour as anyone who is in need because the good man, the Samaritan, Jesus is drawing a contrast between those who knew what they should be doing and those who are actually living out what they should be doing. And I think that talks a lot to us. We know that we should be reaching the world, but we get a little bit freaked out with fear and distracted when we just go, hey, how's it going, Swifty? Build a relationship. And then the time will come when you have the opportunity to say, hey, listen. But love people, be compassionate. By the end of this whole encounter, Jesus is telling each and every one of us to follow the Good Samaritan's example, to show compassion and to love our neighbour. How do we do about it? How do we actually perform that sacred task of making known the gospel, of loving our other neighbour friends as such, all of our mates, that God has wonderfully died for or that we celebrated today in our communion? How do we actually cross over from... Um, social justice and doing good deeds into actually making the gospel known. What do we do there? Well, Paul, again, the writer said this. He said, put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, gentleness, and patience. Here is displayed the inseparable connection between the relationship with God and our everyday life with others. Because you know what? We can do none of these virtues of compassion, kindness, lowliness, gentleness and patience. We cannot do these virtues in a privatised, individualised relationship with God where we just become Christians on our own, living in our own little world. We cannot be compassionate to our neighbour if we're staying on the other side of the road in our personal prayer closet. Oh God, oh God, oh God. You get in that prayer closet long enough, you'll be told to get out there and love your neighbour. But only in the difficult and the messy relationships with others can we really show that we love them. You know, we can't be kind by ourselves. Oh, be kind. Nice boy. You know, only in relationships where we're tempted not to be kind can we really show that we love others. See, it's when we're really tempted not, there'll be people you won't want to be, very rare for me, but um, there'll be people you won't want to be kind to. But it's in that messy relationship where you feel and tempted, I don't want to be kind to that person. There, you can shine when everybody else is going, oh, walking out of the meeting. You know, you can say, hey, mate, how's it going with you? Because there's something probably at a deeper level where they're hurting. They're crying inside, they've got pain. Their wife's left and their husband's been a deal or whatever. The kids have been really naughty or something. You're stirring them up and you're just getting the result of it. But if we respond with loving them, then we can really be kind. We can't be lowly in the privacy of our own space while driving in our car by ourselves. We can't be humble by ourselves. It's only in the life with others can we display this countercultural aspect of living life With God. In our everyday life, we are given by God the command to love others. 
in our everyday life, in our everyday, go on, Romans 12, 1, 2, 3, in our everyday lives, we've been given the command to reach others with the gospel. See, because the fact of the gospel is this. If you were ever asked, why do you have, Peter says this, why do you have the hope that you have? Why do you have the faith that you do? Why are you a Christian? However that question might come out to you. For God so loved the world that God gave His one and only Son that we might have eternal life. There is now no condemnation for those who put their trust in Jesus. See you later, mate. Have a good beer. Bye. I've done that a number of times. Aaron, mate, Swifty, why? Listen, Swift, that's the best I can tell you. Like I could go on a whole lot about my story, but God, God loves. God is love. And you know what? There's no difference between me and you. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says we're all, the ground is level at the cross. The ground is level. We're no better, you know. As church-going believers, authentic followers of Jesus, disciples, we're no better. The ground is level at the cross. So when you have that kind of mindset, you just fall in love with these people. You do good deeds, and by that I mean just don't be a deal. And you take the opportunity to share the gospel, to cross over that road, just share the gospel. Now what I'd really like us to do, like I said earlier today, to finish off our service, is to grab these cards. Could you grab those now, please? This is really something that's burning in my heart, deep within me. Because I still know what it feels like. I heard a guy say this the other week. I still know what it feels like not to be a follower of Jesus. I still know what that feels like. I'm so thankful. But what I'd like us to do in the next few minutes, and the team are going to come up, and in the next few minutes, what I'd like us to do is not just to sit where we are. I'd like us to gather. The team will play some music. And I want you to gather with two or three people around you. And I want you as a group, it might be two, three, five, seven, whatever, but pray, don't, you know, really put your passion and heart and go before God earnestly. The fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, the Bible says. And that word fervent means hot, white hot. It means it's got passion in it. Not like, oh, Lord, if no, mate, I wouldn't mind. Fred, you know, he's a dill. But no, that, no, fervently pray, earnestly seek God, that Jesus would be revealed to them and that you also would take the opportunity that you would have the courage not to walk over and go, oh, God bless them. Now that you would go over and be ridiculously generous in living your life with that person and go well beyond the natural means of care for that person and loving that person and then go well beyond that care and that love and being nice and kind and compassionate and gentle and humble. And then you would be able to say, God so loved the world. Pray that, that you would have the courage because that's why God has called you to be a follower of Jesus. So can we stand? Can we stand? Find a few people around you. Find a few people around you. And let's start praying. Go for it. Thanks, team.